0: Hello and welcome back to another episode of Courts This Week, presented by LiveLaw. I'm your host, Ostika Das, and I'll take you through the most significant courtroom developments from across the nation. From the Supreme Court to local courts, I've got you covered with crisp and clear summaries. But for a deeper understanding, I will always encourage you to check out the news articles available on our website, www.livelaw.in. In today's episode, we are going to talk about the Supreme Court's rebuke to governors withholding their assent to bills passed by state legislative assemblies, the latest development in the Adani Hindenburg Rao, pleas raising concerns over air pollution in Delhi, N Chandra Naidu's bail and much more. So, let's dive into the headlines. A number of states led by opposition parties, including Kerala, Punjab, Tamil Nadu, Telangana and West Bengal have accused their respective governors of causing unwarranted delays in approving crucial bills passed by the state assemblies in what has been described as an overreach of gubernatorial power. These state governments have also approached the Supreme Court for various reliefs. Earlier this month, a bench led by Chief Justice D.Y. Chandrachud sharply criticized the governors of Punjab in Tamil Nadu for sitting on bills passed by the state legislatures, emphasizing that a governor is not authorized to withhold approval of bills, even if there are questions about the validity of the assembly session. Punjab Governor Banwari Ral Purohit was also asked to decide on the four bills that have been submitted for his assent. In its judgment that was uploaded this week, the Supreme Court clarified that if a governor opts to withhold assent to a bill, the logical recourse is to return the bill to the legislature for reconsideration. This clarification is crucial as Article 200 of the Constitution does not explicitly state the subsequent steps after assent is withheld. The proviso to the article says that the governor may return a bill to the assembly along with a message of aspects requiring reconsideration and if the state legislature adopts the bill again, whether with or without amendments, then the governor will be bound to grant assent. So there was an ambiguity as to whether the governor is bound to return the bill to the assembly after declaring their intention to withhold assent. This question has now been answered. The apex court has ruled that a bill has to be returned to the legislature for reconsideration on assent being withheld. The alternative interpretation would effectively mean that the governor would be in a position to virtually veto the functioning of the legislative domain by a duly elected legislature by simply declaring that assent is withheld without any Further recourse. The court stressed that the governor, as the unelected and symbolic head of the state, cannot use their constitutional powers to derail the legislative process. In related news, the Supreme Court has also questioned the prolonged delay by Tamil Nadu Governor R.N. Ravi in deciding on bills submitted for assent since January 2020. Attorney General R Venkata Ramani defended the delay, citing the bill's impact on the governor's powers in appointing vice chancellors in state universities. The law officer submitted that since this was such an important issue, it required some reconsideration. However, the bench noted that the oldest of the pending bills was sent for the governor's consideration in January 2020. When the Attorney General pointed out that Governor Ravi had assumed office in November 2021. The court clarified that the concern was not about a specific governor, but the general functioning of the governor's office. However, after being informed that 15 bills are pending before the governor now, including 10 bills which have been repassed by the Legislative Assembly, the court adjourned this week's hearing to await the governor's decision. We have more news related to the tussle between state governments and governors. This week, the Supreme Court also asked Kerala Governor Arif Mohammad Khan to refer to the recent judgment on the Punjab governor's inaction regarding bills. This remark was made by a bench led by Chief Justice while hearing the Kerala government's petition accusing Khan of similar delay in considering over eight pending bills despite several meetings between cabinet ministers and the governor. The hearing of this petition has been adjourned until next week. The bench told Attorney General R Venkataramani to ask the governor's secretary to take a look at the court's order in the Punjab case and provide a response on Tuesday. Next, let's turn to a development in the Adani Hindenburg Rao. After several months, the Supreme Court has reserved its judgment in a series of public interest litigation seeking a court-monitored investigation into allegations made by US-based short-selling firm Hindenburg Research against the Adani Group accusing them of violating stock market regulations. The bench comprising Chief Justice D.Y. Chandrachur, Justice J.B. Pardiwala and Justice Manoj Mishra heard the matter for nearly two hours this week. During the hearing, the Chief Justice emphasised the need for the Securities and Exchange Board of India or SEBI to take measures to safeguard the stock market from volatility arising from events like short selling. Notably, the court also expressed displeasure at the petitioner's allegations questioning the impartiality of the members of the expert committee constituted by the court in March to assess the regulatory framework. The allegations made against the investigation conducted by SEBI into the allegations against the Adani group also did not seem to impress Chief Justice Chandrachur. When Prashant Bhushan representing one of the petitioners referred to, then I quote, factual revelations in the Hindenburg report, The Chief Justice stated that the court could not assume the report's truth, emphasizing that it required proper investigation. Furthermore, the court declined to direct an inquiry against the State Bank of India and the Life Insurance Corporation, as requested in a petition by Congress leader Jaya Thakur. The Supreme Court sternly rebuked Patanjali Ayurved this week for persistently disseminating misleading claims and advertisements against modern medicine systems. The bench comprising Justices Asanuddin Amanullah and Prashant Kumar Mishra was hearing a petition filed by the Indian Medical Association raising concerns over misleading advertisements. The IMA asserted that Patanjali's advertisements derogatorily portray modern or mainstream medicine, which is commonly referred to as allopathy in Indian parlance, and that these advertisements assert false claims about curing specific diseases. While acknowledging a company's right to promote its products, the association argued that Patanjali's unverified claims were a blatant violation of the law. During the proceedings, the bench expressed its intent not to turn the matter into an allopathy versus Ayurveda debate but aim to find a genuine solution to the issue of misleading medical advertisements. Accordingly, the government was instructed to formulate appropriate recommendations following consultations. Not only this, the court issued a strong warning to Patanjali, co-founded by Indian yoga guru Baba Ramdev, Directing the company to refrain from publishing such advertisements in the future and ensuring the avoidance of casual statements in the press. This case will be taken up again in February next year. In a bid to curb stubble burning and improve air quality in the Delhi NCR region, the Supreme Court has suggested excluding farmers engaged in this practice from the minimum support price infrastructure. The court, presided over by Justices Sanjay Kishankal and Sudhan Shudhulia, addressed concerns over the deteriorating air quality during winter months, largely attributed to stubble burning in neighbouring states like Punjab. Despite effort by the Punjab government, including 8,400 meetings, 1,092 flying squads, answering to the station house officers and over 1,000 FIRs against recalcitrant landowners burning stubble, the trend of farm fires persists, the court noted with dismay. Punjab Advocate General Gurminder Singh however insisted that the problem was being tackled by the government on a war footing and as many as six districts had become completely fire-free as on the date of the hearing. Apart from mulling over the idea of excluding farmers who burn stubble from the MSP benefits, the court also suggested fully subsidizing baling machines for poorer farmers and covering operational costs. Highlighting the disparity among farmers in landholding and means, the court observed that larger landholders make additional profit from turning stubble into bale through a mechanized process and selling the byproduct, whereas smaller farmers struggle to make the capital investments for baling machines and have to resort to burning their stubble. As a solution, the court proposed the plan of providing these machines free of cost to these smaller farmers and financing their operations, thereby creating an incentive against stubble burning. In exchange, the government would take the valuable byproduct and sell it for profit. Importantly, the court once again raised concerns over the issue of paddy cultivation, which contributes to the depletion of the water table in Punjab. On earlier occasions as well, Justice Call's bench had asked the government to explore the possibility of promoting other crops, including alternative, less water guzzling varieties of paddy. Justice Call said this week, and I quote, what concerns me is that the land in Punjab is becoming arid slowly because the water table is getting depleted. If the land runs dry, everything else will get affected. Bluntly, the state government and the union government must forget the politics of it and apply their minds to see how to prevent this. During this week's hearing of the police concerning air pollution in Delhi, the Supreme Court bench also heard an application by the National Capital Region Transport Corporation or NCRTC Highlighting the Delhi government's failure to fulfil its commitment to contribute to the Regional Rapid Transit System or RRTS project. The court had previously been informed in July about the Delhi government's budget constraints, preventing its contribution to the RRTS project. Subsequently, the government had assured the court of making necessary budgetary provisions for the project. The bench had in fact also warned that it would attach the government's advertisement budget. If 1100 crores can be spent for advertisement in the last 3 financial years, certainly contributions can also be made to infrastructural projects, Justice Call had told the Delhi government. This week, the court noted that the budgetary provisions has not yet been made despite assurances to the contrary. With dismay, the court repeated that the government allocated approximately 1100 crores for advertisements over the last 3 years with rupees. 550 crores set aside for the current financial year emphasizing the rrts project's significance in reducing pollution and the delhi government's gross breach of its undertaking the court issued an order to transfer the allocated advertisement funds towards the infrastructure project however at the insistence of senior advocate minakshi arora appearing for the delhi government this order was put on hold for one week The bench categorically said that it would take effect if the government failed to voluntarily transfer the funds within the specified time period. (laughs) Lawyer Utkar Saxena and his partner Ananya Koti have lodged a review petition in the Supreme Court challenging its recent verdict, refusing to grant legal recognition to queer marriages. The duo contends that the majority judgment fundamentally misinterprets their case. Addressing an abstract right to marry while neglecting the actual question whether queer couples can be excluded based on their sexual orientation. Another crucial point raised is what they say is a factual error in asserting that the Special Marriage Act is limited to couples belonging to different faiths, overlooking its applicability to all couples opting not to follow personal laws for marriage. Additionally, the review petitioners argue against the denial of adoption rights to queer couples criticizing the court's acknowledgement of the existing unconstitutional discrimination against queer couples without taking corrective action. It's noteworthy that another review petition was filed by four other petitioners criticizing the judgment for not providing legal protection to queer couples despite acknowledging the discrimination that they face. Chief Justice D.Y. Chandrachur has agreed to consider the petitioner's request for an open court hearing of the review. The review petitions are scheduled to be heard next week so stay tuned this week the special bench of the Supreme Court that was hearing a clutch of applications seeking a reconsideration of the Vijay Madanlal Chaudhary judgment had to be dissolved even though the petitioners concluded their oral submissions after the center requested additional time to respond to all the contentions the special bench was headed by Justice Sanjay Kishankal The deferment, however, meant that the same bench cannot continue hearing the matter in view of Justice Call's retirement during the winter recess. Solicitor General Tushar Mehta requested that he be allowed to commence his submissions on another day, citing the complexity of the issues involved. Although the petitioners led by senior advocates Kapil Sibal and Abhishek Manu Singhvi vocally opposed such a deferment, Justice Call ultimately agreed to adjourn the hearing. What can I do? I'm doing this with a heavy heart, the judge said. The Chief Justice has been asked to form a new bench to hear the batch of petitions. The next hearing is scheduled for at least two months from now. For more context, the challenge is against the interpretation of the Prevention of Money Laundering Act or PMLA based on the Vijay Madan Lal Chaudhary judgment. This verdict delivered in July 2022 is often criticized for having enhanced the powers and discretion of the Enforcement Directorate. In a significant development, the Andhra Pradesh High Court has granted regular bail to N Chandra Babu Naidu this week. The state's Crime Investigation Department has accused the former Chief Minister of playing a pivotal role in the alleged embezzlement of approximately Rs. 371 crore from the Andhra Pradesh Skill Development Corporation through fictitious companies during the Telugu Desam party's rule between 2014 and 2019. Justice T. Mallikarjun Rao stated that based on the available material, it could not be definitively concluded that the misappropriated amounts were diverted to TDP's bank accounts. The court also noted that Naidu couldn't be held responsible for the discrepancies highlighted in the Forensic Audit report, which indicated that out of the rupees 371 crores, at least 241 crores were misappropriated by SISW and Design Tech diverted to various shell companies. Last month. The High Court had imposed restrictions on Naidu from giving press interviews or making public comments related to the case. However, while granting bail this week, the court refused to continue these restrictions, stating that imposing such conditions could impact the electoral prospects of his political party. The Delhi High Court has passed an interim order this week instructing the news portal The Wire to remove its article concerning the city's chief secretary Naresh Kumar. The article in question titled links of son of Delhi chief secretary to beneficiaries family in land overvaluation case raise questions was published on November 9th, making allegations about Kumar's involvement in an alleged land acquisition case. The report suggests that Kumar played a role in inflating compensation for a parcel of land in the city's Bamnoli village acquired for the Dwarka expressway project. Recently, Delhi's Vigilance Minister Atishi recommended Kumar's immediate removal, leading to Chief Minister Arvind Kejriwal forwarding the report to the Lieutenant Governor, seeking Kumar's suspension. However, the Lieutenant Governor declined to accept the report, citing its reliance on preconceived assumptions. In response, Kumar also filed a suit, seeking the removal of the article and a restraining order against The Wire and the reporter Mitu Jain, preventing the publication of further defamatory articles. Represented by senior advocate Maninder Singh, Kumar argued that the article was pre-planned to incite public sentiment against him. In a relief to the civil servant, Justice Sachin ruled in his favour and directed the wire to take down the article. That wraps up this week's Legal News Roundup. But before I go, I have a little request from the entire Live Law team. We are an independent, fact-driven media organisation that is committed to fearless and ethical journalism. To keep delivering your daily and weekly legal updates, especially in this dynamic audiovisual format, we need your support. So don't forget to do the fantastic six. Give our video a thumbs up. Share it with your family, friends, classmates, and colleagues. Make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel. Drop your thoughts and feedback in the comments below. Tap that bell icon to get your notifications. And lastly, swing by our website at www.LiveLaw.in for our in-depth reports. I'm your host, Ostika Das, and I will see you again next time.